You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey, coaches, and welcome to episode 50 of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Today, I, Chrissy Beltran, am speaking to my guest, Joellen Killian, who you're going to love, about something that really gets in the way of our instructional coaching, and it might be something we're not even aware of. This idea is coaching mindset. Now, coaching mindset is really the way that we are thinking about our work and the way that we are approaching our interactions with teachers and the kinds of work we're doing as coaches. It's an area that I myself struggled in. Uh, early on in coaching. And it's something that I have to keep coming back to all the time because little things pop up that get in the way of effective coaching and really strong coaching relationships. So I'm super excited to have Joelle and Killian here today to talk to us about how to develop a strong coaching mindset and how to use that mindset to be really purposeful and thoughtful um, in our interactions with teachers. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce Joellen and welcome her to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Joellen. Thanks, Chrissy. It's so nice to be with you. I'm so appreciative that you're here today um, and that you've made time to talk with us. I just think it's going to be so valuable to our listeners because everybody, this is an area that I know I personally have struggled with and that I feel like it's ongoing work that we do as coaches. So I'm excited to talk about this. So could you introduce yourself to our listeners and maybe talk a little bit about who you are, how you ended up here and what kind of work you mostly focus on? Well, that's a long story and I'll make (laughs) it short. So I've been coaching for a very long time, longer than many coaches I interact with have been alive. So my work (laughs) started decades and decades ago as I was a teacher leader and agreed to support other teachers in growing and developing their teaching practice. And that's kind of how I moved into this role. I was very interested in high quality instruction, began to focus on supporting teachers in designing instruction, sort of the core foundational practices. And I um, was involved in a lot of professional learning, facilitating that and found out that that wasn't sufficient. Just holding the courses or the workshops Mm -hmm. or the webinars was just not enough, Mm -hmm. that it took more. And I was a big fan of Bruce Joyce and Beverly Shower's research back then. And they were leading with many, many studies they were doing around the necessity for some extended study and coaching support. And that's how I got involved in this work and found that by helping teachers think about how to take what they were learning in courses they um, participated in and move it into practice in the classroom was a big area where we needed opportunities for support. And then following that, Cognitive coaching was being developed. Um, Art Costa and Bob Garmston were beginning to craft their body of knowledge. And I became involved in learning about that and 
that was the beginning of it for me. And I found regardless of what role I was in, anytime we wanted to support learning for others, we really needed to think about how were we going to sustain support over time mm -hmm. to move from knowing about something to help people begin to shape practice with it. And mm -hmm. that's how I got here. It, it became a big part of all of my professional work. I love that. I, that is such an important point because we do see so many districts will invest thousands and tens of thousands of dollars in this one shot workshop. It's three days, it's gonna be amazing. And then everybody goes back to their campus and does whatever they were already doing. And a few people try to implement, um, they try to figure some things out, but they're doing it on their own. Some of them manage to make some things happen. Many of them do not. And then you're just frustrated and you either, it just kind of falls out of your brain. We know there's research that shows if we don't implement right away, we lose it. Um, right. And, and yeah, people, when they're on their own, there's no continuity in that and there's no ongoing support. So yeah, that's a huge, huge part of instructional coaching is that ongoing support model. So I think I had a superintendent that I, I didn't work directly for, but he um, was a leader in the field of curriculum development. And he was a firm believer that high quality curriculum would lead to uh, better instruction and learning for students. And he had a little formula he used for every dollar he spent in curriculum development, he spent $4 in supporting the implementation wow. of that curriculum. And it really was an interesting little way to think about it. Curriculum development is expensive. It is. But what's the point of it unless we are developing capacity and supporting the implementation of that curriculum? That so I always love that thinking. Mm -hmm. That is really interesting. Um, and I don't feel like I've heard that from very many administrators. <laughs> so I think that's a really great, that he has that formula kind of as a constant reminder of we need to yeah. make sure, yes, we've got this curriculum, but that's just, that's a, that's a piece of paper. That's not going to impact teaching if we don't support the implementation. Now right. I want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's coaching. That's yeah, it is, that's right. In a nutshell. It is. <laughs> So, so what we're here to talk about today that I'm, I'm excited about actually is uh, coaching mindset. And so the issue is that coaching is one of those jobs that many of us have been thrown into. And this is something I talk about on the podcast and with coaches a lot is they look at you and see, you, admin looks at you and says, oh, you're a great teacher. You're going to be a great coach. And they pluck you out of one environment and drop you into the other and then then go, go do whatever it is that you think you should do. And you really are thrown into this role most of the time. And so you have to kind of develop your own coaching mindset and a coaching personality over time. And that can be harmful sometimes to those relationships we build early on. Um, so if we can really start with a strong coaching mindset, it could completely change the coaching work that we do with our teachers. So could you describe a coaching mindset and what that really means? Well, I, I, I think that a coaching mindset is a set of values and principles that we operate from, um, that drive everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do. And I, I would like to think that there is a universal ideal coaching 
mindset. Yet I know that that's probably a big stretch. I would say the grapple, what we grapple with mm -hmm. as coaches is leaving the role of a teacher whose responsibility is to develop another person's knowledge and skills and capability. And we very often do that from a teaching perspective, from what I would call the mind. If I, I think about head, heart, and hand as sort of our mindsets as coaches. And um, a teacher often works from the head works from a rational cognitive stance. Uh, if I teach you, therefore you will know it, therefore you're capable, therefore you'll do it. If I rationalize it for you, if I explain it to you, then you'll be ready to go. And I think that's, that is true. I think there are some people who respond to that approach. And for many people, it's insufficient. Mm -hmm. That alone is insufficient. And many teachers are very comfortable in that mindset because to develop expertise as teachers, they really do cultivate the skills mm -hmm. that are associated with that mindset. They explain things well. They think about learning trajectories and or task analyses. They plan things out. You start here and you move here. And that works beautifully in teaching. Yet is coaching teaching is a big question. Mm -hmm. For some coaches, I think that that is what they're expected to be and how they operate. There's also the coaches who fall into what I call the heart mindset. Those are coaches who are loving, who are often rescuing teachers. They're often um, making excuses for teachers because they want to be liked. They want to have strong relationships with teachers. Um, I just talked to a coach this morning who's just uncomfortable with difficult conversations because she doesn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. She wants to be loved and she wants to project that she loves those that she coaches. Mm -hmm. That's another mindset. Is that the best way to move people is the question I ask. And then there's the coach who's the hand mindset, the person who does everything for everybody. Just tell me what you need and I'll do it for you. I'll take it off your plate. Mm -hmm. I'll, if you need those tests graded, I'll do it. If you need me to pull your data and mark the kids who are underperforming, I'll do that. If you need me to design the next lesson plan or formative assessment, I'll do it. They do, do, do. Mm -hmm. for their clients. And my question is, is that the role <laughs> of a coach? So I think that from these three perspectives, are we teachers? Are we um, friends and, you know, confidants and supporters? Tell me your story and I'll make it better. 
or are we people who take action and take care of things for you? And I think coaches fall into one of those three buckets predominantly, mm -hmm. where I'd like to suggest that no one of them alone is sufficient. To be a teacher, to be a, uh, a, a confidant, uh, a trusted friend or colleague, or to be somebody who's doing something for you is all insufficient in the coaching arena. It takes a combination of those and it takes that nuanced um, understanding of my clients to be able to know which is predominant in any moment mm -hmm. and when to not do any of those. So when I think about a coach's mindset, I want coaches to really begin to understand what's motivating them to do the work they're doing. What's motiv motivating them to make an excuse for a teacher because gosh, she's having a bad day, mm -hmm. heart, mm -hmm. or to take on a load of the teacher's work and take it off the teacher's plate. What's causing that? What's motivating that? And being able to analyze whether or not that's the best move to help the teacher build capacity, to empower the teacher, to encourage the teacher to be thoughtful and self-reliant and truly capable. And sometimes the coach has to say, no, I cannot do that for you mm -hmm. and be willing to take on the harder conversations or be willing to let the teacher struggle to discover for himself or herself. So when I say mindset, I think about what's driving me in my actions and then how are those drivers influencing the way I interact with others and how they build others' capacity? How do I empower or disempower by perhaps operating from the, an inappropriate stance? Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit about what I mean by mindset. It's not an easy, um, it's not easy to understand, but it's really about being able to know who we are, to be self-aware, mm -hmm. to understand that every action we take as a coach is being driven by something we value mm -hmm. and is having an impact on my client, the environment in which I work, and the students that we're supporting. That is so interesting. And just in hearing you describe it, and I've, I've read about it before, but in listening to you explain each of these three different um, kind of modes, or like you said, buckets, um, having that visual is very helpful. I, it, I mean, I'm thinking about my own coaching and I know that my natural stance is to operate from a head stance. That's the way that I like to be taught. That's the way that I like to be supported as well is I want to, I want to, what do I need to do? Why do I need to do it? Help me make sense of it. And I'm going to go do it. And that's because I like to learn that way. That's the way I naturally put my own coaching out into the world. You know, whenever mm -hmm. I support people, that's my approach. And I have to really be thoughtful 
about moving between other ways of interacting with people. Um, and, you know, not making excuses per se, but making sure that I understand the motivations and, and the hearts, you know, the, the, what teachers are really dealing with and making sure that if there is something that I need to do and support the teacher through that we actually can do that, you know, that I'm aware of that. And so, so much of coaching for me, especially the first few years was just becoming aware, like you're saying of my own self and how I like to interact, how I learn and how I want to be supported because I realized that was impacting my interactions with teachers and not everybody learns or functions or wants to be supported the same way. And so it does, it's not always effective. Some people that, that head approach, it's a big turnoff. <laughs> big turnoff. Yeah. Big turnoff. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I, you know, I struggle with this, Chrissy, because we spend a lot of time teaching coaches skills. We teach them processes. We talk about coaching moves. We talk about how do you structure coaching cycles and coaching conversations? And we teach about questioning and listening and building relationships. And, and all of that is critically important to being an effective coach. Yet I think underneath it all, we do not spend enough time with coaches on their own identity, their own mindset, their own self-awareness and really being cognizant of how their, their essence, their personality, their learning preferences, their, um, their approach to the world is influencing what's happening in a coaching relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'd love to encourage coaches to explore what's important to them what values are important, what, what drives them, what are their personal preferences? You can so easily identify yours. What are coaches as they're working with client, what are they aware of mm -hmm. in terms of their own preferences? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is such valuable information as a coach because that's I've always called it like my natural lean or my, you know, that what, what I'm, what I'm just comfortable with, but is there any resource that they can look into or any kind of like a tool or any sort of um, list or guide or somewhere that they can look into kind of make them aware of what, you know, what they might have going on where they kind of like a self-reflection tool? You know, I, I think I could offer a couple tools, like just a simple reflection protocol. One I like is called a critical events analysis, and it, it's very simple. You describe what happened. What happened? Tell me the quick story. Then tell me what was going on in that situation. So other than, you know, the, the sort of she said this, and then he said that, and the kids did this, and then tell me what you see in terms of um, an analysis of that situation to really think about what were the decisions you had to make? What were you cognizant of in the moment? What, what was happening below the surface that isn't about the story, but it's about the, the, I, the motivation of the people in the story. Mm -hmm. And it's really hypothesis, I, I'm hypothesizing um, if I'm talking about somebody else, I'm hypothesizing what I think 
might be motivating them, what might be going on for them. But as I do that hypothesis, I can gain some awareness of what's happening for me. And then using that critical events analysis to draw some conclusions that can be what are those teachable, um, what are those teachable moments? What are the insights from this situation that I had that I can carry into another situation? So I like to think about them as lessons I'm learning from every experience I have that I can summarize in a statement, and then I can apply in a new situation and test it out. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's how we become increasingly aware of what's going on for us inside our own heads. Mm -hmm. oh, interesting. Yeah. You might also be interesting to, as a teacher is in agreement, if you can kind of record a coaching conversation with yourself and the teacher. And I'm, I mean, I know this is something you've probably done a million times and see what, what is, what is your go-to? How do you respond? Um, what do you question? What do you suggest? What, you know, what does that look like? And then you can kind of notice some patterns. Right. And that's what it is. We, we do have patterns mm -hmm. in our practice that are sometimes unknown to us. Mm -hmm. And so a coach can help surface some of those in working with clients. And I contend coaches are uh, probably better coaches when they have coaches. Mm -hmm. And so when a coach is coaching a coach, that's a great opportunity to do exactly what you said. What's happening in this moment? What were you thinking? What do you think your teacher was thinking and you responded in this way, what prompted that response for you? So that continuous process of reflection at the analysis level, not the recall level, not just telling the story, but really to dig into deep, deep analysis. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. So you kind of mentioned, you know, some of the barriers about around developing your own coaching mindset and kind of becoming aware of it um, in terms of really just self-awareness is probably the biggest one. Are there any other barriers to developing your coaching mindset and really being thoughtful about that? I think um, one of the biggest barriers is the um, sometimes dichotomous situation in which a coach works. A coach may have one identity, mm -hmm. one mindset he or she is operating from, and the organization within which a school is or a coach is operating, whether it's a school or a district, that circumstance may be not directly in opposition, but may be different from what the coach wants. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding this an increasing problem for coaches, an increasingly large barrier for coaches who sometimes want to be experts in literacy and numeracy and science, and they want to teach everything they know. And yet their job is really around more mediational coaching. Mm -hmm. That's what the expectation is. That's what um, their supervisors want them to do. Mm 
And so these are conflicting in some ways and it causes, I think, stress for coaches. Mm -hmm. And I think it causes stress for clients. So clarity about roles and expectations are really critical. You know that from your work. Coaches I know struggle with that, but it's, it's a coach who needs to have the conversation, who needs to initiate the conversation. Mm -hmm. What are the expectations of me? And once we get clarity, we can reduce that barrier somewhat, not completely, because even if my organization, and I agree, mm -hmm. not every teacher right. I work with agrees. And so there's always still some tension. Mm -hmm. Yes. And sometimes I, you know, I've seen that people will try to get clarity and even the administration isn't self-aware to realize what it is that they're asking or what they're really wanting. So they say, no, that's great. Yeah, you can do this and you'll be able to do this and that. And I want you to spend your time on this. And then that's not the reality of what happens at all. Um, so, so I feel like it's an ongoing conversation. We have to keep revising our role and, and adding to our understanding of what's really expected in practice and not just in theory. <laughs> Absolutely. And so those ongoing conversations that I hope are happen, happening at least weekly mm -hmm. between a coach and a supervisor um, are it, to really continue that clarity. Mm -hmm. This week I did da, 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 da. How does that stack up with your expectations? Mm -hmm. What would be different if you could have it be different so that we are absolutely always on the same page? Yeah, I love that. That, that really will alleviate a, lot, alleviate a lot of stress from coaches because they will, I know I've talked to coaches who say, I'm not sure if I'm doing what they want me to do. I'm doing a lot of things, but I don't know if that's what we're supposed to be focusing on. So, that, and that is difficult whenever you, you think you have a mindset that may be not functioning within the one of the, the organization. So I have seen some of the work that you've done around mental models. And I would really like to hear more about that. And I'm sure that the listeners would as well. I think it's a really interesting idea. So the mental models, Chrissy, are really that, that notion of mindsets, that it's about the values, the principles, mm -hmm. the experiences that guide us. Um, we each hold uh, a, a mental model. So I, I think a mental model is um, a little bit bigger picture than a mindset, but they're essentially nested together. What, what I hold as my mental models, for example, about how people grow and change, um, that, that is clearly uh, some theory I hold in my mind that um, do they operate best from the head mm -hmm. practice that you and I talked about or from the heart or from the hand? How do people learn and grow? So I see mental models as a little bit broader, a little wider circle, if you will, but they still are deeply uh, connected together. They're all driven by what I perceive to be important, what, what I hold as my truths, and be, again, being conscious and aware of all of that gives me greater flexibility, and it gives me um, a much easier way of being fluent in my practice. Mm -hmm. When I know I'm this way and my belief is here. So for example, I believe that 
learners, whoever they are, need opportunities to try things out with some guidance, with some opportunity to pause and reflect, opportunities to um, be cognizant and aware of what they're discovering, to be prodded with questions, to make discoveries on their own. I hold that as how learning happens. Yet in other situations, people will hold different approaches. And so my mental model about learning may not agree with yours or it may not agree with someone else's. And so the more I'm aware, the more I have the flexibility of saying, ah, my model is different, not wrong, not right. It's different. Mm -hmm. And we can explore what's the same and different about those models. How interesting. So if coaches are struggling to like kind of adopt some of the principles that we're talking about or to really get a good clear picture of what's happening on what happening, you know, in their own coaching, what can they do? You talked about self-reflection and a couple strategies, but what, what's, what's another step that they could take? I think they could engage in observing. I, I love your idea about recording coaching. Um, and even if I'm recording a coaching session for my own personal reflection, I think that's a great opportunity to pause it and say, gosh, what was I thinking? What prompted me to do that? However, we might not get there from that. The best way, the very best way is to be coached myself. And so for coaches to be committed to circles of coaching, if I'm working with another coach in my school to coach each other occasionally as, as often as possible, if I'm working with a team of coaches in a district to coach each other, that's probably the best way that we can gain greater awareness of what's driving our practice, where our mindset is, whether we're holding uh, too closely or too tightly to a mental model and not flexing off of it if we're finding ourselves in some kind of a tense situation. Mm -hmm. So um, coaching is, for me, always a great solution mm -hmm. to growth and development. Yes, it's so important to have that perspective on your coaching work. And we, I've been talking to coaches about this a lot lately. We get stuck in our bubble is what it feels like to me. We're in our little bubble of our campus and our bubble with our teachers and our admin and the way we usually do things and what our expectations are. And then whenever we talk to someone else from a completely different bubble, we get a perspective and, you know, sometimes it just breathes fresh life into what you're doing and you had no idea it was going to lead in that direction, but it's, it's eye-opening and yeah. we have to have that coaching community and that coaching support um, because we do, we just get stuck. We get stuck. We're human and we get stuck. We're, we do get stuck. There's another exercise I'd like to share with you called the left-hand column. Mm -hmm. So what we what that um, exercise is about is literally to write a conversation that happened, um, you know, not scripted, but to get the essence of what happened in that conversation. And then so that goes in the right hand column. And then in the left hand column is to write what we really wish had happened. Oh, interesting. So that juxtaposition is there. 
And then through that juxtaposition, we can look at what's the same and different and what does that tell us about ourselves? And so that right and left hand is always a good exercise, the right hand column and left hand column to look at what we really wanted to say. Um, sometimes in a coaching situation, I find myself really wanting to say, just listen to me. <laughs> and, and of course I wouldn't, right. except if I do want to, probably even if I don't say those words, that message is coming across in another way. I may be pointing my finger. I may be raising my voice. Mm -hmm. I may be um, getting more emphatic. Mm -hmm. I might be leading with my questioning. So it's going to come out in some way, shape, or form, even if I don't say it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea. Um, it kind of reminds me of, I was just talking to Steve Barclay um, a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about encouraging teachers to think about the difference between how things went and what you, what you would have liked things to have gone. And um, it's just that same idea of, of what is what is motivating us, what is our real real goal, and also what is what is in there that's trying to come out <laughs> yeah. um, versus the reality, which is interesting. Yeah, there's a whole, um... You know, there's so many ways to think about who we are as coaches. And another one is just to engage in a value um, audit process where we identify the values that are important to us. And, and then to think about how those values appear in our coaching. How do, how do they show up in our coaching? And to talk about that either... Um, with a supervisor or with other coaches or in a coaching circle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be really great too. Um, look, like looking for evidence kind of of how your values are showing up in your day-to-day -day work. That sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. So what can- Or not. Or, or not. <laughs> or no, it's not. That's true. Because that, that's a really interesting thing about this notion of mental models. Mm -hmm. We can say we believe something, which is- the espoused theory, what we say we believe, yet our actions absolutely convey something mm -hmm. very different, as you, as you know. So do we have that integrity of acting in a way that we say we value? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, especially if you've been, I feel like if you've been at a campus for a while, sometimes you, you fall into step with certain things and it may not be reflective of what you really think. Um, or yeah. sometimes when you're new and you, like you mentioned, coaches that don't want to have the difficult conversations, um, if they may really believe certain things, but not have maybe the courage or, you know, in that moment, you know, the, the words sometimes to initiate the conversation around the really important things. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, sometimes we don't see that playing out in our work. So what can coaches do and if they've been, you know, moving along and, and they're listening to this episode and they realize, you know what, the way that I've been interacting with teachers, maybe my mindset has actually been harmful to my relationship with teachers or has, has limited the kind of work that we can do together. What can coaches do if they realize that their mindset has maybe damaged relationships with teachers? I think being honest would, for me, be the first step is to be honest with myself to identify where I have been inconsistent 
And then to have the courage, and I love that you raised that word, to have the courage to have the conversation with the teacher that perhaps I've had a, a damaged relationship with, to go to that teacher and say, I think I have prompted this to happen. Here's what I think. I'd love to hear your thoughts, but to own it, to take responsibility um, rather than to pretend it doesn't happen. What a coach is doing in that moment is acknowledging that learning is not always easy, mm -hmm. that learning does cause discomfort and pain. That's change often means that. And that we're courageous enough to acknowledge it. And I think of what a beautiful example it is to own it. And that would be the first thing I'd say, own it, acknowledge it, commit to further change, and then um, attempt to repair the relationship by owning it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. And I, I found that whenever you are honest and you do say, well, this is what, you know, I think that I've done and, and, you know, you apologize if you need to apologize or whatever it is, um, that teachers do appreciate, I mean, everybody appreciates whenever we are honest about those kinds of things, because they know that it's not easy to do. And it does take, you know, some like real fortitude to put yourself into that position. So most people do appreciate whenever you, um, whenever you actually take ownership over that. And even though it can feel especially vulnerable or really hard. Um, and they, they do have the ability to say, well, I don't, I don't accept that. And that is, that is something they could say, That's but true. most of the time they don't because they do appreciate that you went out, they put yourself out there. That's right. That's right. I think most people appreciate it. And, and if, if somebody does not accept that, then that's person's prerogative not right. to accept. So, you know, not every relationship we have in life or in our job as a coach is going to be perfect. Right. And um, some of our relationships are very transactional in nature. And some of them um, are more than transactional. They are transformative. Mm -hmm. and, and so while we all strive for relationships that are transformative, and those relationships are cultivated because we were able to operate from the head, the heart, and the hand at the same time, mm -hmm. um, that some relationships won't get there. Mm -hmm. yep, it's just reality of human nature, <laughs> I think. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. So if coaches only walk away from this episode with one really essential and important idea, what idea should that be? <sighs> I, think, I think the most important thing we've talked about today, Chrissy, is that um, the more I know myself, mm -hmm. the more I know what I value and what I believe, what I hold to be my truths, um, the more I know that about myself, the more likely I am to be aware of how I influence others, mm -hmm. how my actions, my words, my thoughts impact other people. And also, I think the more I know about myself, that gives me 
the freedom to be able to adjust my practice to meet the needs of my clients. Mm -hmm. And if I don't know what's driving me, if I don't know my values, I don't know my beliefs, I don't have a sense of my mental models, then I think I have less flexibility to make adjustments. And I would have more of a tendency to be down my line and not even see your line. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't weave them together to create a beautiful tapestry of a relationship. Yes, that is such such good advice and such an important thing to think about that we don't really talk about enough. But I think you're right. Knowing yourself and what you're bringing to the table is so essential for you to be able to respond to other people in different ways. So yes, that's beautiful advice. How can people find you online to learn more from you? Well, I think, um, I, you know, the easiest way to get me is to just email me. I have a Twitter account and I have to admit, I'm not very good at using it. JP. I do not Twitter. Know Twitter. <laughs> yeah, JP Killian, K I L L I O N. I'm not terribly good at I, I love looking at it. I love posting periodically, but I'm, if people want, me, the easiest way to get me is to email me at joellen.killian at learningforward.org is my learning forward email. That's the easiest way to get me. Um, you can find me. I think if you Google, you'll find me. And I, I prefer people just to reach out directly to me if they have questions or want resources. For people who are listening, um, I just a, a note that there is an article that I wrote about the three mental uh, models, the three mindsets, the head, heart, and hand that are, um, that article is in the learning professional. And I'm happy to share that article with people if they want to reach out. And so there's, there's just great opportunities, but I'm one of those people that just prefers a really direct uh, connection. Perfect. It helps me meet each other, each, each person's needs uniquely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I'm sure that you'll have some people take you up on that and you may get a few direct emails um, as, a, as a, uh, an outcome of this podcast, because I know that you've shared a lot of valuable information today. Uh, it's going to be very impactful for coaches. And if we can take some of this and turn it around into our coaching work, it can make a real difference in the way that we interact with our teachers. So thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Chrissy. Be well. So that wonderful coaches was Joellen Killian. And I have to tell you, she is the real deal. <laughs> Whenever I emailed Joellen, I was in my first trimester of this pregnancy that I am now in the second trimester of, and I did not feel well. And I, I mean, I felt like hot garbage most of the time. <laughs> And I was just so tired, but I was trying to get my calendar lined up for the 2021 season of Buzzing with a Speed, the coaching podcast. So whenever I emailed Joellen, she was so sweet and responded and said, yes, she'd love to chat with me and, and that she would you know, be happy to talk about this really important topic. And today, whenever we were recording, the first thing she said is, how are you feeling? Because I could tell from your email that you were feeling really stressed before and you just didn't seem like, she, I've never spoken to this woman in person before that email, <laughs> but she knew. <laughs> so I, she really is 
I mean, she really does walk the walk. She listens, she responds, and she interacts purposefully with people. And I just think that was beautiful. And I saw that in action today. So um, I just wanted to share that with you. So you know that you're really getting um, the real Joelle in whenever she, she chats with us about coaching. Episode 51 is coming out next week. During that episode, we're going to talk about growth mindset for coaches and teachers. And we're, that's I think that's a really important topic because I know that's what I was talking about with Joellen. We can get stuck in our bubbles, right? And we think we know what to expect from people. And we think we know who's good at what. And it's not that's not a commentary on, on how bad or good we are at coaching. That's just the reality of being human beings, working with the same group of people on the same stuff year after year after year, and sometimes feeling like we're having the same conversations. So <laughs> that can be frustrating, right? So I wanna make sure that we think about growth mindset and how we can be aware of our own mindset and how we can support teachers in growing their own growth mindset whenever they do work with kids as well. So definitely tune in next week for episode 51. I'm excited to share that with you. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.